Amen. We're going to begin our lesson this morning in Luke chapter 2, so go ahead and turn over there. And we're going to be reading a story that many of us are familiar with, especially in this time of year, in Luke chapter 2, and read with me here in verse 8. The Bible reads, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know, I've heard this story many times, as I'm sure we all have, but this year, as I studied this passage, one line struck me more than any other, and that line is verse 10, the first words of the angel. The angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And so this was the the first announcement of the birth of the Messiah from angels to shepherds. And this news, the arrival of Jesus, the angel says, would be good news that brings great joy. And for our lesson this morning, I want to unpack the angel's announcement a little bit. How does the good news of Jesus bring great joy to all people? Let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in verse 14, this is the new revised standard version. Paul writes, For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. So as Paul is writing to the church, he said, hey, here, here's the news. Here's what will bring great joy. Through Jesus, God is changing the world, right? The old has passed away. The new is here. God is reordering and restructuring, redefining everything. Power no longer equates to strength or authority. In the kingdom of God, power is selfless sacrifice. It's humility. Love is no longer selfish or or limited. In the kingdom of God, love is transformational. It's unconditional. In God's kingdom, individuals can be made 
new. They can leave behind a, a life of sin, a life of purposelessness for a life empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And God's family following, uh, uh, following Christ were able to truly love and be loved, living in unity rather than division. And so the arrival of Jesus is good news that brings great joy to all people. And I want to paint a picture of this joy this morning, all right? The joy that comes from Jesus is, first of all, a lasting joy. You know, in this time of year, uh, gift giving is on our mind a lot, right? You're probably working through a, a shopping list yourself. A lot of us probably have our like Amazon wish list going. And, uh, you know, for some of us, some of you are more prepared than others. You've kind of like, maybe you already did all of your shopping and you get things done like weeks in advance. Whereas others, you, you kind of wait till the last minute. Like you like the thrill of trying to pull everything together before Christmas morning. But in an effort to focus on the reason for the season, Jesus is often spoken of as the real gift of Christmas. And while he is certainly a gift from God, to the world. I think we should be careful not to see him as we do other presents in this season. And here's what I mean. You know, rarely uh, are Christmas gifts essential to our well-being, essential to, to daily life. You know, you don't need a PlayStation 5 or that cake stand or another golf club, right? And very rarely do we actually get things for Christmas that we need to survive, Right? Imagine if you woke up on Christmas morning and there was like a, a prepaid electric bill under the tree, right? We don't see that. So by design, Christmas gifts, they can bring momentary delight, but rarely do they bring lasting joy. Now, in contrast, the gift of God in Jesus is not a momentary fix. Jesus is the lasting cure. His love can renew and restore and heal our greatest need. Isaiah 61 says that in Jesus, there will be a time of unspeakable joy in which the brokenhearted are restored, that mourners are consoled, that captives are set free. So unlike the things of this world, the joy that comes from Jesus will never fade. It's a lasting joy. Also, it's a surrounding joy. You know, there are no easy answers for the suffering that we see in our world, right? We, we know the world is not as it should be. And in the time of Advent, this season, we get to celebrate two arrivals of Jesus, one which has already happened and one which will happen someday. And the second arrival of Jesus reminds us that things will not always be as they are, right? And, and that's great news when you look at the world, Amen. Things like sin and uh, darkness, uh, evil, death, pain, sorrow, all, all of these things, they will be no more. All will be made right by our God. And while we wait for this second coming, we have the first coming to hold on to. You know, that first arrival of Jesus was the time in which God came to dwell with his creation. God became Emmanuel. God with us. And Psalm 125 and verse 2 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time on and forevermore. 
in Jesus, the hope, peace, love, and joy of God surround us. And I don't know about you, but this surrounding joy of Jesus is something that I I have needed to hold on to this year. You know, for me, I know for a lot of people, this year has been uh, so difficult in so many ways. In our family, you know, over the past year, uh, I have a family member, very close family member of mine, who has been in the hospital uh, for an extended period of time twice because of mental illness. And in that, in that fight, in that journey, I've found myself feeling lost, feeling uh, confused, upset, annoyed, uh, and, and at times not knowing where to turn, not knowing what to do. I think also for our family, you know, Virginia and I, are, we're excited to continue to build our family and, and try to have more kids. And even in the last year, that journey of trying to, to grow our family has been met with, honestly, disappointment uh, and, and uh, longing unfulfilled, even loss and sorrow. And, and, and so this year, and, and the, the list could go on of what has been happening this year. And, and, and so in, in those feelings of just darkness and sorrow and pain and, and confusion, I have to hold on to Psalm 125, that the Lord is surrounding me and my family and his church in this time and forevermore. The joy that comes from Jesus is lasting. It's surrounding. It's also transformational. You know, the the shepherds were never the same after their visit with baby Jesus, right? They, They spoke with angels. They heard the announcement. They got to listen to angelic praise Then they hurried off to meet the Messiah. And then after that meeting, they went and told everyone they could about what they had experienced. They would never be the same again. And I think a lot of us could speak to our own transformation, right? How our lives before Jesus don't even compare to what we now have with him. But how often do we speak about it? And, and God, we know, contends for, uh, intends for us to be continually transformed into the image of Jesus, right? But is this joy still transforming us? Is the joy that comes from Jesus still changing us, convicting us, inspiring us? And Jesus, he has the power to transform, the power to transform your life, your family, our communities, in our world. And lastly, the joy that comes from Jesus is an overwhelming joy. I want you to think, when was the last time you were overwhelmed with joy? You know, maybe it was seeing a dear friend or, or family member that you haven't seen, seen in so long. Or maybe it was getting that job or that promotion that you've just been waiting for. Or maybe it's relief or, or healing from prolonged illness. I, I, I remember for me, just a, a couple years ago, just holding my baby girl for the first time and just that special moment, right? And many of us know the, these feelings, right? That kind of joy, it, it consumes us. It shocks us, right? It catches us off guard. That kind of feeling you cannot just conjure up. You can't fake it. And that is what the arrival of Jesus is intended to do to us, It is a light that shines even in the darkest of places. The joy of the Lord is greater than your fear. 
The joy of the Lord is greater than your doubt. As I heard one time, it is a saving medicine that can cure even the most cynical of souls. And so this, this joy of Jesus is lasting, it's liberating, it's transformational, it's surrounding, it's overwhelming. And we can see all of these in the short story of the shepherds in the field. But how about us? What is the joy of Jesus producing in your life? The arrival of Jesus was good news that brings joy then, and it's intended to bring great joy now. Amen? And I feel, you know, before closing out our lesson here, I feel we must acknowledge the specific group to which the angels appear. You know, as we read that story, the angels uh, you know, they come to announce this good news that will bring great joy, but they don't come to scribes looking over their scrolls at night or to priests looking over the temple by day. The angels appear to shepherds, and I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, throughout the history of Israel, shepherding was actually a noble profession. Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all of these biblical figures were shepherds, right? God even calls himself a shepherd who watches over his people. However, by the time of Jesus, I think shepherding had lost a little bit of its flair. You know, shepherds in the time of Jesus made up one of the lowest classes of society. They came in just above lepers. The Jewish Talmud actually states no help is to be given to heathen or to shepherds. That's intense, right? Because of their work, they were considered ceremonially unclean and were unable to attend services at the temple. They were isolated. They were forgotten. They were treated with contempt. They, were mis uh, they, they weren't to be trusted. They were actually considered so unreliable that their testimony was inadmissible in court. And so consider their situation for a second. Consider how you might feel if you were a part of that group. Cut off, hopeless, unloved, bitter, unwanted. And yet that is the group who gets to witness a choir of angels. Do you understand how, how magnificent that is? God entrusted the greatest message ever to a bunch of smelly, nasty, unclean, unreliable shepherds. As the angel said, the arrival of Jesus is good news that brings great joy to all people. And I think that is one of the treasures of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is truly good news to all people. To the fatherless, Jesus provides a way to be born again into the family of God, to become a daughter, to become a son of God. To the outcast, Jesus is the man who touched the untouchable. He's the man who spoke to the Samaritan half-breed woman at the well. He's the good Samaritan who looked after the one who had been robbed, beaten, and left for dead on the side of the road. To the sinner, Jesus is that righteous teacher who ate with and who welcomed evildoers, tax collectors, adulterers, liars, drunkards, traitors. The gospel of Jesus is good news to all. Amen. To those who have everything they could ever want, Jesus is the greatest treasure. 
He's the man who found contentment not in pursuing his own will, but pursuing the will of his Father in heaven. He's the man who taught the rich to be generous. To those with nothing, Jesus is the boy born in a manger whose parents had to offer doves rather than sheep or cattle when they went to present him in the temple. He's the man who had no place to lay his head. That's Jesus. To the oppressed, Jesus is the liberator, the chain breaker. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the one who sets us free from sin and death. To the lonely, Jesus gathers men and women uh, together to follow him, right? Followers of Jesus are not just meant to be like individual, isolated Christians, right? They are brought together to form a new family, a new community, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The gospel of Jesus is good news to all. I want to talk about a couple generations here for a second. To the millennials. You know, sometimes millennials can get a bad rap, but one of the defining characteristics of the millennial generation is that they long to make a difference in the world. And so if you're watching this, if you're hearing this, to all of the millennials, that's my generation, right? To all of the millennials, Jesus offers you a chance to be a part of the greatest movement in history. It's a movement that that crushes and rewrites the patterns of this world. And any impact you could have without God pales in comparison to the kind of present and eternal impact you can have with him. That's for the millennials, for the Gen Z, our, our high school students, our campus students, all right? Defining characteristics of Gen Z are, are those who welcome change, they accept others, and they challenge the status quo. So for Gen Z, Jesus is the man who flipped tables in the temple. He upped the standard. He challenged traditional thinking. He welcomed everyone, and he gave his life in the greatest act of love and strength and defiance and sacrifice and faith that this world has ever seen. The good news of Jesus brings great joy, drawing every person to God and to his glorious kingdom. And I want to say as I close out here, if you are not a follower of Jesus, new creation is here. Hear that. God, God's story is being written. This lasting, overwhelming, transformational joy is before you in Jesus. And let's be honest, God will be God whether you follow him or not. The kingdom of God, his kingdom will advance whether you are joining his cause or not. But God so desperately wants you to be with him, to be a part of it all. I want to encourage you, if you are not yet a Christian, if you know someone who's a part of our church, reach out to them, jump into a Bible study and get to know this joy in a much more personal and close way. If you uh, are just visiting us online and, and you uh, aren't connected with anybody in the church, we encourage you, please message us through Facebook and we can get you connected. We would love to study the Bible with you and uh, to uh, learn together what it is that Jesus is calling us to. Now, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I want to ask us, is this message, the arrival of Jesus, is this still good news which brings great joy? Are we still transformed, overwhelmed, comforted by the joy of Jesus? Do we still celebrate him? Or has he and his gospel in any way become dull or momentary 
or routine. You know, in closing, I want to encourage you to reflect on on the the story of the shepherds this week and uh, allow the message of the angel to transform your heart as it did those shepherds that night. Jesus is good news that brings great joy for all people. And at this time, I'm going to pass it off to Monica Lee, a sister in our Central Youth and Family Ministry, who's going to be sharing with us for communion. Good morning. My name is Monica Lee from Central Orange County. I'm so grateful to take this opportunity to share about what the cross means to me in the context of joy and how it has changed my mind, my heart, and in doing so has changed my life and others around me. When I was initially approached to share about how joy has affected my life, my first thought was, I'm not known for being a joyful person, so I'm really surprised that you're asking me to share. But joy is not just a temporary happiness. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit and comes from being with God. In Hebrews 12, 2, 3 of the NIV, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Scripture says that Jesus endured on the cross and he did it for the joy set before him. When I learned about why God put Jesus on the cross, it impacted me that Jesus was willing to bear my deserved punishment so that I may be set free from sin and sorrow, from death and guilt. Jesus' joy was to be seated next to the Father, and he longs for us to also share in that joy, to be at the Father's side. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, joy can actually be ours. But what does that joy look like? During his immeasurable suffering on the cross, Jesus endured. When I realized that though he was the Son of God, he didn't try to use his right as a son to escape from the unjust and cruel punishment we put on him. Instead, in his great compassion, while in agony, he asked God to forgive us because we know not what we are doing. All of us have endured suffering in some shape or form that presents an opportunity to choose joy. For me, suffering has come to me in broken relationships. My marriage, the loss of my mom, the loss of my brother, the loss of dear friends, my health, and in my parenting. However, in Romans 8.28 of the Passion Translation, it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. 
I used to think that suffering didn't coexist with being a Christian, but that is unbiblical. Suffering coexists with joy because we live by faith. It is the joy set before us. In 2008, while my mother lay dying from lung cancer, my heart cried out to God as to why my mother had to leave behind my autistic 14-year-old brother. As I watched my mother struggling to breathe, I also saw my brother have seizure after seizure brought about by the distress. Heartbroken, I asked God, why? What is your plan, Lord? I said, please, God, if you're going to take away our mom, please help Ted, who is my mother's husband and my brother's dad, to find comfort in you. Because being a single dad to a special needs child will be so hard and so lonely. Please put someone in Ted's life to direct him towards you. And I chose at that time to put my hope and trust in God in the midst of my grief. My stepfather struggled through the grief. And yet, six years after my mother's passing, God put someone in his life who shared the good news about Jesus. And he became a Christian in Hawaii. And six years later, in March of this year, Ted married an awesome sister, Rowena Morales, who faithfully served God for over 20 years in the Philippine church. It has brought so much joy to my heart to see Ted grow in his relationship with God, to see it bear fruit in his relationship with Rowena, and to see my brother have a mom who loves him as her own. What depth of joy it was to see God's amazing plan come to fruition. And God still isn't done. He's working on the rest of my family as I choose joy in the midst of troubles. As I worked on this, Sherry, I was looking at the word joy. And all I could think about was, Jesus, only you. J-O-Y. Jesus, only you know our anxious fears and can calm the storm. Jesus, only you are my savior. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, only you can hold all things together, including my marriage, my family, my life. Jesus, only you saw me for what I can be as you raised me from death to a new life. Jesus, only you have a vision and a plan and can do more than I dare ask or imagine. Jesus, only you are worth more than all the treasures of this world. Jesus, only you are my hope and peace. Jesus, only you are my joy. Thank you for letting me share. Let us pray for this time of communion. Father, I want to thank you so much, Father, for your blessings. Thank you so much for Jesus, who is our joy. God, um, we are so blessed to know Christ. We are so blessed that you brought a Savior into this dark world. And I pray that as we take communion, that we can think about how Jesus and his impact in our life, how it has brought joy to our lives and to the lives of those around us. I pray so much as we take the fruit of the vine and the bread that we reflect 
God, on what you have done, and that we're grateful, Father, and joyful in our hearts. Help us to choose joy in the midst of our hardship. Help us to choose joy during our suffering, God. Help us to see your plan, that it always works for our good. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and look forward to being with you next week. You can find more information about our church on our website, occhurchofchrist.com. You can also watch live services on our Facebook and YouTube pages, which are located on our website. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.